Good morning, Berean Bible. Where is God in this coronavirus? A lot of questions have been raised the last month. Is God allowing this to happen? Why is God allowing this to happen? Is this God's judgment on our country? Of course, there's 187 countries involved. Spain and Italy, they got hit hard. So is God getting the attention of the whole world? Is this God's judgment on the whole world? Is this virus the sign of the last days? Is God getting our attention? These are all questions that have been raised. Like you, I've been forced to stay home, which means I watch the news a lot. And when I watch the news, I get various uh, truths. What is truth? I'm, temp I'm tempted to ask, like what Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? In the early days, I was told that this virus was not as bad as pneumonia, that this is nothing. It's all hype in the early days. I was told I don't need to wear a mask. Now I'm told I need a mask. What is it? I was told in the early days that this virus was going to be done by mid-April. Well, it's mid-April, and it's not done. I was told to stand six feet away from people. Then I was told, well, if you sneeze, it can go 27 feet. What is it? What's essential? What's non-essential? What's an essential worker? What's a non-essential? When you go to the store, what's an essential item to buy? What's non-essential? I don't know. Is, is the news accurate? Is it truthful? Is there such a thing as fake news? These are some of the questions. It's very interesting. The last Wednesday night that we met, before all this virus broke out, the men were going through a book by Charles Stanley, 30 Life Principles. Jim Dykla was leading the Bible study that night, and the principle that we went over is God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. When you talk about fake news, this is not fake news. This is the truth. The key verse was Numbers 23, 19. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God's word is true. It will be fulfilled. Everything in this book is the absolute truth. God is immutable. God does not change. His word does not change. Jesus said in Hebrew 13, 8, Jesus Christ, or Paul referring to Jesus, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. I love Psalm 119. Three verses. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. But it says this, Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands 
firm in the heavens. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. As we studied that Wednesday night about a month ago, Jim shared with us from this devotional, when you go through storms of life, and there will be storms, that God's word is an immovable anchor that we can hold on to during a storm. Last year, we covered the Sermon on the Mount. And near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told the story about two men, a wise man and a foolish man. And the wise man was one who hears God's word, puts it into practice. He's like a man who builds his house on rock. And when the storms of life come, his house stands firm because it's built on the foundation. It's built on rock, the word of God. During storms of life, like we're currently going through right now, we need to be reminded and take promise or take comfort in the promises of God. Joshua, before going into the promised land, Moses was in his last days, and he takes Joshua and the people of Israel aside, and here's what Moses told them. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The prophet Isaiah, God speaking through him, says this. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Jesus told his disciples, knowing all that the disciples were about to face in their future, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The Christian life is going to have problems. There's going to be storms. And when we go through a storm, we need to run to God's word and stand firm on his promise. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So what storm are you going through today? Yes, we have the coronavirus. But there's other storms. This virus has caused an economic storm. There's people not knowing where their next paycheck is coming from. There's people, they don't know where their food is coming from. So this is definitely a storm, and we need to run to God. Charles Stanley added Hebrews 6.19. It is impossible for God to lie. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. The more time you spend in Scripture, the closer you get with God, the bigger God looks. And when the bigger God looks, the smaller your problems become. So we need to go to God. Besides Scripture, when I go through storms in life, like we're currently going through, besides Scripture, I like to go to some men of God that I really respect, people like Charles Stanley. 
Dr. Tony Evans is another man that I like to go to. And he wrote recently about this virus. He called his talk Divine Disruption, that this is a divine disruption. What I love about these men of God is they go straight to God's word. They don't just give their own opinion. They go to God's word first. And Tony Evans, in this talk, Divine Disruption, goes back to 900 B.C. 900 B.C. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading a portion from 2 Chronicles, both chapter 14 and 15. A little background at this time. He's going to be talking about a king, King Asa. He was the third king of Judah. Sort of a little history lesson here. If you remember, during this time, there was 10 northern tribes, and they were called Israel. There was two southern tribes, and they were called Judah. And Asa, or Asa, was the third king of Judah. And he was a good king, which there wasn't a lot of good kings. Dr. Harold Wilmington, who was my professor of Bible at Liberty University, he tells a story about a student who was taking a test, and they had to list all the kings of Israel and all the kings of Judah and say if they were a bad king or a good king. Well, this student failed to study completely. He knew the names of the kings, but he forgot to study if they were good or bad. So on the test, he said all of them were bad. And guess what? He got 90% on the test because most of the kings were bad. King Asa was one of the better kings. He reigned for 41 years. During that time, in the north, they went through eight different kings. There was a big turnover in the north, but Asa was true to the Lord. He did make mistakes near the end of his life, but for the most part, he was a very uh, godly king. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, and let me start reading with verse 2. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah. And the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up the fortified cities of Judah. Since the land was at peace, no one was at war with him during these years. For the Lord gave him rest. That's one thing we certainly need today. We certainly need some rest. And we go to chapter 15. And... Let's continue reading, and there's a key verse, verse 3, but before we get there, let's start with verse 1. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. 
And what's going to happen now in this passage of, of Scripture in 2 Chronicles? This prophet is going to get King Asa to look north to Israel and what's going up in the north. So take a look at verse 3. This is key. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. Let's take a look at just verse 3 for a few minutes because this is key. There's a lot of similarities between what's going on today in our world and what took place in Israel 900 B.C. First of all, it says they were without a true God. They had replaced God with their idols. They had put other things between them and God. They were guilty of breaking the first and second commandment of the Ten Commandments. For it says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image. Nothing should come between you and God. You look around us today in America, other parts of the world, we put a lot of things before God. But nothing should take a higher priority in our life than God. There is a great statement that I read in Facebook, and I traced it down. Who made this statement? And I couldn't believe when I found out who originated the statement. I traced it back to the wrestler Hulk Hogan. And his name is Terry Jean Belial. You know the Hulk. That's the Hulk, okay? And he says this about the coronavirus. God has taken away everything we worship. And he wrote this on his Instagram page. God said, you want to worship athletes? I will shut down stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I will shut down civic centers and concerts. You want to worship actors? I will shut down theaters. You want to worship money? I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You, you don't want to go to church, so I'm going to make it where you can't go to church. Isn't that great? I, it, it, it's so true. Now, as a teacher right now, and I have junior high and high school students, the last two or three years, I always struggle getting the kids off their cell phone and devices and at school. I think it's very ironic now that the kids now are using those same devices to go to school. They're being forced to use those cell phones and their devices. But it's so true. Israel had replaced God with other gods. They did not have a true God. Number two, it says in verse three, without a priest to teach. They didn't have godly men that were teaching God's word. They lacked spiritual leadership during that time. There's a great passage of scripture in 2 Timothy 4, starting with uh, verse 2, where Paul is talking to Timothy and he says this, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage 
with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And I believe that's true. I believe even in the United States of America today that we have many great churches in our country. But at the same time, we do have some churches where sound doctrine is not going out. This is the age of the mega church. And let me be the first to say that there's, there's many great mega churches out there. They're awesome. But there are some mega churches, the reason they're packed every week is because the preacher is giving them a message that they want to hear. He stays away from certain subjects. He doesn't preach sound doctrine. And he gives the people what they want to hear, more of a motivational, let's feel good type of a message. And that's sad. I know there's a concern among evangelicals today over the past many years of the product that's coming out of some of our seminaries. Same thing. We have many good seminaries in our country, so I don't want to put everybody in this one category. But there are some seminaries that are producing pastors that do not have sound doctrine. They're not teaching sound doctrine. There's... Pastors coming out that are preaching early in their career that there's many ways to heaven. Pick your path. All ways lead to heaven. There's pastors that say that, that God used evolution to help create this world. That marriage can be between uh, man, woman, man to man, woman to woman. Hey, it's okay. There's people that preach that if you follow Christ, you're going to become wealthy, a health and wealth, prosperity type of a gospel. Some people preach that, hey, there's no hell. Everybody goes to heaven. There's some that, hey, don't talk about sin in church. Don't talk. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Make everybody feel good. So unfortunately, even in our country and throughout the world, there's less people preaching sound doctrine, the truth from God's word. Easter night, I was watching a program at home on Bible prophecy. And it was a very, very interesting program. And on this program, Barna, who takes surveys, came up and said there's only uh, 10% and less, less than 10% of churches talk about Bible prophecy the second coming, coming judgment. And the reason it's less than 10%, and by the way, Berean Bible, we're one of those. We do talk about the second coming of the Lord. We talk about the rapture. We talk about that there's judgment coming. The reason churches don't talk about that because it's been shown that it hurts church attendance. So don't stress that the Lord is coming again. Don't talk about coming judgment. People don't want to hear that. And that's what's going on in our country and throughout the world today. The third part, 
Again, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 3. The people were without law. There was no law. There was no absolutes. There was no standards, no guidelines to guide the people. The people did what was right in their own eyes, like the book of Judges said. Hey, if it doesn't hurt anybody, I can do it. You know, situational ethics. Let's vote on things. If we vote on things, it must be right. But, of course, when there's no rules, no standards, no laws, it leads to chaos. The prophet Jeremiah from 600 B.C., he actually was a prophet who ministered to the last five kings of Judah. He says this in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So here God offers them this, this living water, but they've dug their own cisterns. And we go to verse 19. Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. Long ago you broke off your yoke and tore off your bonds. You said, I will not serve you. Indeed, on every high hill and under every spreading tree, you lay down as a prostitute. I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? Although you washed yourself with soap and used an abundance of cleansing powder, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the sovereign God. Paul in Romans states it in the first chapter, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Two passages that shows the consequences when people forsake God. They exchange God for a lie. And yes, we do see that happening now. Let's continue in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, starting with verse 4. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him. And he was found by them. In those days, and I love these verses, think about the virus as we read these verses. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another and one city by another, because God was troubling them. That's very interesting. God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. 
Let me continue reading verse 8. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah. Let me go down to verse 12. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. And verse 15, all Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. The Lord gave them rest. Isn't that what we need today? Rest. We hear the reports that if this virus continues, if people do not get back to work, already the mental hotlines are on fire. People are calling. They're hurting right now. With people not working, they said the suicide rate is going to go up. Drug addiction is going up. Alcohol sales are already up. So people are not at rest, but yet they can find rest with God. Dr. Tony Evans, who I mentioned earlier, he lost his wife this year. They were married 49 and a half years. Can you imagine that? 49 and a half years, and his wife passed away from cancer. And he recalls a story of over 50 years ago when they were first dating. And Tony Evans, just when he was dating his future wife, just, just loved her. And, and he says that she was not moving as fast as he would like as far as being close to him. He always wanted to be close. She was keeping her social distance away from him in those dating years. So one day, he took his wife to an amusement park, and they went on a ride called the Wild Mouse. And you probably remember the Wild Mouse. The Wild Mouse was like a little roller coaster, and it would go to an edge of a turn, and it seemed like your car would go over the edge, and then it would turn. He said when the ride started, his wife sat, kept her distance from him. But as the ride went on and the scarier the ride became, his wife started to move, or his future wife, I should say, started to move closer to him. He said by the time the ride was done, his fiance was almost on top of him. And his principle that he is trying to make is, the closer or the scarier that life gets, the scarier that life gets, people tend to get closer to God. I believe God is getting our attention here. God is getting our attention for a reason. He wants us to get closer to him. couple questions in conclusion as we consider the coronavirus. Does God have your attention? Have you hit what they say is the reset button? Have you gone through some self-examination? Is the Lord number one in your life? Is he top priority? Do you have any other God before the one and only true God? The coronavirus, yes, it's bad. Many deaths, 
many people affected. But let me tell you this morning, it's not the worst disease. The worst disease for mankind is sin. Sin, as the scripture tells us, first of all, we're all guilty of sin. We're all guilty. The wages of sin is death. So sin results in both physical death and spiritual death. That is the worst disease. Let me tell you this morning, there's only one cure for sin. It's the person, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross for us, and he rose again. So I pray this morning that if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, confess your sin, repent, trust in him. He is the only vaccine, you could say, or cure for sin. Let's go to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, during this time of the coronavirus, I pray for your protection. Lord, I just pray that we would use this time as a time of self-examination. Have we put any other gods before you? You are one true God. We worship you only. I pray for those who have not accepted your son as their personal savior. I just pray that today would be the day where they would repent, confess their sins, and put their trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.